Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hey, you've reached the Yahoo Fantasy Football Podcast. It's Liz. And Matt. And we are talking dysfunctionality rankings because... I think it's a word. And whether it is or is not, I will tell Liz consistently how wrong she is that she thinks the Cowboys are not a dysfunctional franchise. What are you talking about? We agree on almost all of these themes. Just trying to give people a reason to listen. Okay. We'll do that. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Podcast. Liz Lozen, Matt Harmon, Brett Rader. We are all here. It is not our normal recording day. It is not, eh, maybe, your normal listening day. We're doing things a little bit earlier. Uh, because. Just because. That's all you need to know is because. Yeah, uh, also, deal with it. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. It's the uh, early pod, you know? I mean, there's so much news, guys. We have to break it earlier in the week because literally there's nothing. Tons going on. So we want to make sure that we beat you to the punch. For instance, on all of this smoking hot Kyle Allen news, <laughs> my goodness, what would you do if you didn't know? What would you do with your Will Greer stock right now in early March? Tangin. If we didn't deliver this Kyle Allen news, he's signing a one year extension, Matt. Cam Newton, what? <laughs> <laughs> I did like it was funny that a few people I saw on Twitter were like, oh, man, like bringing this guy back. Like, oh, this is a sure sign that they're tanking for 2020. I'm like, not really. I mean, he's an exclusive rights free agent, which essentially means you're not a free agent. Like you have to come back on the veteran minimum. So he's back, baby. Like, let's I, I don't know. I also think, you know, he's not that bad of a backup quarterback. Like he was an awful starter over the long haul. But like he got him through a little stretch there for a minute. It's fine. Who cares? Yeah, game against Arizona was I mean, look, the takes for like three weeks there were awful. Like, well, it's clear that this guy is the franchise quarterback. Like that, that, that shit was out there and it was out there from like major media outlets. So I don't want to hear it. That, that got bad, but it's fine. It's fine. So what we decided to do because free agency was pushed back and there's just not a whole, there's everything seems to be in a, in a holding pattern right now. Um, although did you hear, I mean, <laughs> Big news. Robbie Anderson and the Jets are open to maybe reuniting. Sure. So great. There goes. I mean, that is kind of related to what we're going to talk about mm-hmm. because we hinted last week that we wanted to discuss our our power rankings of the most dysfunctional teams. Well, of all the teams in level of dysfunctionality, I guess. Yeah. So we went ahead and did that. Brett put together a survey monkey situation for us. Was very no official. free ads, but you're welcome, Survey Monkey. I mean, <laughs> legit, like podcast homework. 
Oh, yeah. he said Sunday night, and he sent a reminder, which meant because neither of you had neither done of us did it. Right? I was Listen, like, oh, did Matt? I doubt Matt did this. Oh, <laughs> please. I had. A, I mean, I put a lot of th- I put a lot of thought into these rankings. I did too. I I'm being facetious. Like, oh I no, think, I definitely texted a few people and was like, "Do you think this team or this team is more dysfunctional?" I think that like the top. I mean, we can get into it, but I think like the top ten to 14 is very clear like okay and then especially like the top five like yeah these these teams are a train wreck and then like the bottom five are pretty clear as well the middle the middle it's like who cares that's well that's the thing it's like i think who's how can you say like who's more dysfunctional the cardinals or the falcons like there's just there's not a lot there to move the needle well and how did you measure dysfunctionality because some teams might have been more dysfunctional in the past but perhaps there have been some regime changes that seem to be moving. Like the Panthers could be one of those examples. I struggled with where to place the Panthers because they certainly have been dysfunctional. But like yeah, I see, like I what Tepper's doing. You, you know, think they're a dysfunctional team. Like I don't find anything about. Can I talk about their old owner and the statue? Okay, that's good. <laughs> it's just right. I forget about that. Kind of forgot. I I kind of forgot okay. about that until I saw something about Jerry Richardson today. No, you know what? That's a good. That is a good point. I mean. I worked for the NFL at the time, so I was, like, told to forget about it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so uh, maybe I have just washed it out of my memory. But, yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, I think I was focused on more, like, repeat offenders, like guys that, you know, teams that were just in the news for dysfunctional reasons multiple times over over the last, you know, eight to ten years. So I tried to measure that against win-loss record. Oh, see, I didn't, I didn't include, like, team success really – Almost Mm. at all. Well, so I wasn't going to. But then last week when we were talking about this, I mentioned the Steelers as being one of the more dysfunctional teams. And you were like, but they keep winning. It hasn't showed up. And I was like, oh, I guess we're supposed to add that. So thanks, Matt. Now my stuff's skewed. But but see, that's the thing, though. I put the Steelers up at like 13 after considering your thought on that. Like they are. Look, they're. Oh, so, so we canceled each other out. Yeah, yeah, we, right. we were right there. We both 12. put them similarly, and we'll I'll screen cap our results, and we'll, and you guys can put them on on your socials. But like, Liz, you had the Steelers as the eleventh most, and Matt as the thirteenth most. I was surprised by that, considering how often in the last uh, decade and a half, two decades, they've been in the Super Bowl and won two of them. Lots of the dysfunctional stuff around them has been the last couple years surrounding like two or three players and that's it and two of them are no longer with the team yeah see i can i considered that angle like okay Le'Veon bell uh you know antonio brown they're gone maybe things are kinder but not really because number one ben roethlisberger is always involved in these things too and yeah, also, when i said two or three he was the third yeah <laughs> and also like by the way they were kind of involved in a pretty major incident yeah. this past year too mason rudolph isn't exactly um in a great position right now. I mean, he did not get suspended to the extent that the the Browns player was uh, suspended. Sure. But... And the Browns are uh, ranked higher. Yeah, <laughs> the, Browns were, the Browns are much higher on the dysfunctionality. Matt, you have the Browns at number one, Liz yes. at number two. Like, clear choice to me, yeah. The, the, oh, yeah. interesting. So, this, who is you? I, maybe we're flip-flopping. We're flip-flopped, yeah. I so, have Washington at two. I have Browns at one. What does Hal say about that? I didn't run this one by him. I, yeah, he had to can't. By the way, update on my father. He had to cancel a cruise trip. <laughs> also not coming out here next in April because James Bond is is pushed back. Yeah. So 
we both have uh, the Packer. I'm sorry. We both have the Washington team and the Cleveland team at one and two, respectively. What do you think? So I, I am curious. The Browns, number one, makes sense. What was the peak dysfunctionality moment from 2019 that cemented it for you? Oh, just this past year? Yeah, I want to know, like, when you think, uh, because there has to be, like, or I guess it doesn't have to be from this year, but as we said when we were opening, some of these teams seem to be veering away from dysfunctionality, or at least there's, like, some optimism baked into where we ranked them. I think, like, the fact that Cleveland just leaned in so hard this past year to dysfunction, like, I can't even pick because there were so many things that were dysfunctional between like the between just who their head coach was the I think probably like Freddie Kitchens wearing the the t-shirt that's exactly what I you know pulled, yeah, like, yeah. Yes. that's like, exactly yeah, yeah. what I like that and then and then being like oh man like people saw me out there like yeah guy you're the head coach, head coach you team. can't wear a Pittsburgh to connect it <laughs> yeah. to our previous issue you can't wear a Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh started, started it. hoodie and be like whoa what why are you calling me why are you saying I'm not I don't know how to discipline my players yeah, exactly. Like their their whole ethos was just dysfunctionality um, this past year. And I mean, just in general, like their their ownership, everything on down, like they've been a mess, like unstoppably over the last five years. Like, just look at the turnover. What would you so I want to say it didn't happen in 2019. My number one favorite, most dysfunctional Washington moment was Bruce Allen calling cousins Kurt. Oh, yeah. Cousins yeah, like that, that to me gorgeous. was very illustrative of the um, lack of awareness that the president of the team has with everybody else on the team. Yeah. I, so he's been canceled, so maybe. Yeah, he's out. Um, Rivera's in there taking away them ping pong tables. Uh, foosball too, probably. Foosball, ping pong, it's not, all, that, all that is out the door. If it's Cornhole. fun, it's gone. Yeah. What would be the first step in fixing things for Cleveland and or Washington. What you know, like uh, there's a lot to be done. I think when we look at Cleveland, we look at all the egos, right? And how do you manage all of those egos into a team mentality? Yeah. See, I would have thought that like it's funny to connect these two teams. Like if I was Cleveland, I would have now I'm not saying that I dislike their head coaching hire. In fact, I like it for a lot of like on field reasons, but like to get a guy like Ron Rivera into Cleveland, I think would have been like an ideal situation, you know, like a, a, the famous phrase, the adult in the room, uh, you know, to come in and clean things up there. Like, I don't think Baker Mayfield and Cam Newton are at all the same person, but I think they are both big personalities. And I think Rivera did a really good job of being kind of like this, the disciplinarian there and also just keeping like having a, a level of respect. Cause I think that like what you can say good and bad about Ron Rivera, but I think the one thing that you can't really question is like, he, he did put together a pretty good run there in Carolina. And I think people respect him a lot because he played the game, everything like that. I think mm-hmm. having a head coach in there like that would have been, would have gone a long way. It's also weird. It's an interesting comparison or even paradox when you look at it in relation to Cleveland Browns. I mean, they've made a head coaching change, obviously, in hiring Kevin Stefanski, right? Again. I think, but they're different, right? Because Stefanski is a younger, newer guy, an offensive coach, a QB's coach. Analytics friendly guy. Right? Um, Forward thinking. Both teams have new young quarterbacks. Baker obviously has one more year of veteran experience than Haskins, but both pretty, like like new-ish quarterbacks, right? Franchise young guys. And Rivera, though, I just even think the fact that he was like a defensive coach, like there's yeah. a, just a different toughness mentality, oh, yeah. more of a neck down versus Stefanski seems very neck up. 
very intellectual. Um, so it's even interesting. I, I would agree with you. Like I, I bagged, I made Washington the most dysfunctional team on my list. And yet I think their head coaching, I have more confidence in that choice than I do in the Browns. I think there's more upside with Cleveland's choice because, and this is a thing that you could say too, the whole thing. is yeah. the, is they're on the same page. Like there's a, there's a sort of, you know, everyone's in sync with this front office coaching staff now like they're they have the same approach whereas like Haslam used to like to like like to have conflict you know like a a GM and a head coach that weren't on the same page like weren't like the GM is in place you know he reports to Paul or they you know he's in line with Paul DePodesta's philosophy Stefanski's bought into the analytics too like there's there's more synchronicity here than there usually is which is I think it can go a long way to to keeping things, I don't know about in the locker room and all that, but a lot of the dysfunction that happens, like we talk about players, like, you know, causing problems in the locker room where that's as a source of dysfunction, but a lot of everything rots from the top, you know? And I mean, the owner's still in place there, but I think it gets even messier when you get a team. Like I have the Texans at number nine, and I think that was, you have them at 16. Like the Texans have problems all the time because their front office can't figure their shit out. I like that you mentioned them. I had the Texans higher. And then I was like, yeah, but. Maybe not going forward because Bill O'Brien has all the power, uh, right? So he he has in a dysfunctional way by his own accord, like uh, silenced the cacophony of voices by being the only the singular voice. Yeah. And also you got Deshaun Watson under center. You've got new new Hopkins. I don't know how you pulled off that trade at the beginning of the year, but you did. And it ended up initially not looking great and then it ended up being great right so I I had to move them down a little bit because they're always they're continual postseason contenders yeah I think I looked more at their past yeah and you looked more towards like their future now like I I I dinged them for what's happened the last two years and you're probably and I think rightly so like things could be much easier going forward just from a pure um, copacetic standpoint because there's you know, only one guy making all the decisions, the only guy, the only voice in the room. I think the Lions between eight and 16, I had them eight, you have them 16. They felt like, and I think after looking at that, I was like, yeah, Liz is probably right. They're probably more dysfunctional than I gave them credit for. I I certainly think you can make that case. They felt a lot like these teams in the middle to me, like, Look, the Bucks are messy sometimes, but how much more different are the Bucks and the Lions or the Bears or all these other teams? You know, I, I don't think there's there. They were a hard one to parse out, but there's certainly like I mean, the fact I guess you could say like from a major franchise standpoint, the fact that they're beefing with like their greatest player ever in Calvin Johnson after sure. like had a you know a similar fallout, not quite as bad, but a similar falling out with Barry Sanders, another one of their best players ever. That's kind of a dark mark in there. Just ask Garth Brooks about that. <laughs> That was one of the best things ever. I also, you know, growing up in Chicago, obviously, like the Lions are the the joke of the NFC, right? They're the butt of any NFC North joke. Um, And so I've seen this team be losers forever. I mean, I remember going to Bears game. Actually, I was at a Bears game where Kyle Orton hurt his knee and was ruled out for the rest of the season. We were playing the Lions and there were Lions fans in um, the stadium watching the game with signs that said, like, please don't taunt us. We only have the Lions to root for. And everybody, like, left them alone and started buying them beers. Very Midwestern thing. How but, nice. Right. 
And then I thought like, okay, well, there has been coaching changes, right? We talked about how the Browns are trying to change their dysfunctionality or Washington's trying to shift things with these coaching changes. And yet Matt Patricia, wasn't there some issue too about wanting them to take better notes or something? Oh, like his first season, he came in hardcore about like the disciplinarian stuff and like made him like run sprints and stuff like that when he was like punishing them. And it's like, this isn't high school ball, my guy. Right. And then this season, Quandre Diggs gets sent to Seattle and then shows up for them really well. And so I think, frankly, Matt Patricia only has a job because Matt Stafford's injury gave him enough cover. So it's enough of an excuse for Martha Ford to say, fine, I'm going to give him a gimme. Yep, I think that makes a lot of sense. Let's talk about the major discrepancies. The Bills, I will admit, that's one. I have them at 10. You have them at 26. It was very difficult for me to rank them. And I think you're probably closer to right on this one, but their existence as perennial losers forced me to rank them more sooner than I probably would have otherwise. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to argue with the fact, like, I mean, they went to four Super Bowls, like, back in the 90s and didn't win any of them. That's kind of a tough look. However, I also think, like, look, I think they're they're very aligned organizationally the head coach the gm are on the same page i think they are coming off a really great season like all things considered obviously (laughs) their their quarterback was a little dysfunctional especially the last time we saw him um however i also think like they've come a long way i think they're actually in position this offseason to spend a lot of money um they've already they already spent a a good chunk of change on josh norman um, another figure of you know non-dysfunctionality um is dysfunctionality a word it is now it is now i'll look it up all right so dysfunctionality uh and josh norman kind of go hand in hand as well but whatever like i think they're gonna throw some money around this offseason like a washed washed cornerback like keeps them no no no. i'm just i'm just saying i think they kind of illustrate the point that like they're going to be aggressive this offseason yeah. and like go for broke uh i gave him jadavion Clowney and like my free agent logical fits thing because i think they could make a big swing like that and i don't i think that just like it shows they've taken this rebuild in the last few years like step by step they've gotten i think they also i give them credit for looking at like tyrod taylor even though they went to the playoffs with him and like he's a player that i like and being like this guy has a cap ceiling you know, it's not quite the same, but like the way that Kansas City looked at Alex, Alex Smith, Smith and said, we're only going to go so far with Alex Smith. Let's get Patrick Mahomes. Now. I mean, the Bills went and got Josh, Josh Allen, Allen and right. voted to Patrick Mahomes. But, but yeah, it is that is a little bit of an asterisk, but it was enough for me to say, like, they've had a clear plan. They're executing it very well. And I think they're ready to take that kind of next step this year. We'll see. I mean, we've also talked about what we like, they, what they did last year in terms of acquiring John Brown and yeah. Finding players that matched this Cole Beasley, that matched the skill set that Josh Allen has. Again, it's on the shoulders of the quarterback, too. The arm or not. And the legs. Of the quarterback. Um, The Cowboys. I can't believe you had the Cowboys at 20. So, you're right. They're a a disaster. You have them at five. But aren't they always who we think they're going to be? There is some consistently. I mean, they're always. They go to the playoffs. They're always a messy like we know they're going to be messy. Like that's the deal, though. They go to the playoffs. There Sometimes. is stability. There's they didn't constant... go to the playoffs this no, year. No, not this year. You're right. <laughs> Ask Amari Cooper about that. Um, there is stability. It's the same owner, <laughs> the same head coach. They're hiring GM, Mark McG- yeah. Mike McCarthy, right? Who's the same guy. So I felt like. 
the consistency there was a lack of dysfunctionality. They're consistently probably I should have put them higher. They're 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 a mess. Probably. Like I mean, it's an interesting part of the rankings is like consistency versus yeah dysfunction. Yeah. Dysfunctionality, by the way, not in Merriam-Webster. Well, it just became a word. Um, but like, I was a linguistics major. Mm. Raiders are pretty consistent, this you know. But you guys have them ranked third and fourth. Cowboys, I understand the discrepancy here, where where you yeah, have it's tough. Like, you got Zeke, you know, and and Dak I mean, potentially. Like, there's there are pieces there. Zeke's had his moments not being so functional. Cabo. The another, uh, yep, yep, yep. Okay. Uh, so okay. also some so off the field yes. things here and there. Sure, sure. You've got Greg Hardy. That was a thing. That was, yeah, okay, come right. on, Greg Hardy. See, but this is the thing. The Cowboys are so good at spinning their dysfunctionality that you're just sort of like, that's what happens in Texas. I don't know. I don't go there often. I might go there. It's part of the show. Like it is yeah. part of the, like it's kind of, yeah, part of the it's show. as much that's part perfect. of the show as the football yeah. and the that's, hole in the roof. And because they can, I mean, they continue to just pump out money. They're one of the most popular sports franchises in the, in the game. America's team. They're America's team. But you know what? America can be messy sometimes too. The most popular <laughs> uh, franchise among Latinos that live outside of America, in fact. Really? Latin American sports fans, the number one team among Latin American sports fans is the Cowboys. Yeah. I mean, it, it speaks to just their overall popularity for sure. Can I just real quick explain why? So people assume that that's like proximity to the border in Mexico. A little bit. However, as part of the Super Bowl halftime piece that I did two months ago now, I interviewed an editor, but a football, not like football Americano. Football. Like, yeah, not football, but like a football, American football editor. And I asked him, he's oh. like, how, um, he's like a senior editor of one of the top um, TSUN, I believe it is. Anyway, this guy knows a lot. And I asked him um, what Israel Herman is his name. And I asked him, um, how do like Latinos, particularly in Mexico, where you're from, find the teams that they become fans of because there's, you know, weird television right situations. And mm -hmm. he actually is a Broncos fan. His dad is a Packers fan because the Super Bowl is televised. Like those television rights somehow trickle down. And so those games are televised. They're obviously the most watched games, even among Americans. And so usually the team that is perennial winners are the teams that they become fans of so his dad if you think about the age like his dad bart's a uh, bart star yeah packers. Right? yeah his dad is a giant packers fan because he was watching bart star in the super bowl he's a giant broncos fan because his first intro was john elway and now he says so many people are new england patriots fans because they've been so winning so long i think that that's like a fascinating and yet despite all that the cowboys are still the most popular franchise in america and booger mcfarlane is the most popular host because he he did this he did the international english uh, broadcast of the super bowl <laughs> lucky them so speaking of the pats here is a giant discrepancy i have them at 32 so the least dysfunctional yes. team you have them at 11 you are a heavily weighting win-loss record and organizational stability and i get that but Look, this team is in the news all the time for some and looks maybe because yeah, people want to come at them for I, being champs. I don't do, I don't agree with that in totality. Like I think that they they cause some of their own problems. They've had like at least two major cheating scandals. That's in, why they win all the time though and everybody buys in. You know I do not stand for the Patriots. I don't I'm know. not some giant Tom Brady morality apologist. However, 
if you have the ability to have everyone buy in, then your team cannot be dysfunctional. To me, the dysfunction, the dysfunctionality, which apparently isn't a word, whatever, comes from dysfunction. The the dysfunction, I guess. Okay, the lack of function comes from a lack of discipline and mistrust and all that other stuff. I think too. Like, look, they're about to. I, I kind of think the fact that like Tom Brady is about to walk out the door, that's like a little dysfunctional that they're not handling this all that well. Like, it's just weird to not have like a graceful ending to Brady. And maybe you could blame, blame on that on Brady, too. I also think like, look, I completely buy the whole like Robert Kraft, Bill Belichick, like Jimmy Garoppolo that I'm to- I totally buy in on that. I, I'm completely bought in the fact that like that was a mess of a situation and that is a little dysfunctional to me yeah that is a little maybe it is i am waiting their ability to thrive regardless of things being dysfunctional yeah i um, dysfunction. wanted to make a statement here and uh i think that look i just think you can't they're kind of they're messy too man like they're they're always cheating you know there's always something going on go ahead there. and add him matt <laughs> yeah. Harmon underscore byb please i don't care give me a break it'll be like the third most offensive thing i've said about the patriots in the last so six who years. was your 32 your least dysfunctional team uh i had the chiefs oh I mean, Where did I have them, Brett? You, you had 31. You had them at 31. So oh, you guys okay. were pretty close on that. All right. Yeah. I had the Packers at 31. And now I'm kind of regretting that a little and, bit. And Liz, you had them at 22. Is actually one of the larger uh, discrepancies. I, I just think experiment. they're so like, they're kind of they're kind of the same operation every year. Aaron Rodgers, you know, I guess you could say that. The Tyler Dunn article. Yeah, yeah. Boost, swayed yeah, me here. That's a fair point because um, I buy in on that too. Oh, I totally buy <laughs> I in I buy that. in that there's like, you know, a little bit of freezing out of guys that he doesn't like, that sort of thing. So there's probably some dysfunctionality there that I didn't take into account. Can we just keep saying dysfunctionality? Because every time we do, then. Brett's eyebrows move. I'm going to continue to I'm just it. a stickler for grammar. As you should be. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Do you want to – okay, what about the – so. Matt and I very much agreed on the Rams. I had mm-hmm. them at 28, Matt I'm at 27. But Brett, this this has confounded you. I don't I don't get it with the Rams. As we saw this week with a botched rollout oh. of a of a of a logo for some sort of team or hotel or something. The Charles Robinson, our yeah, own. Yeah, our own Charles Robinson confirmed. I don't get it with the Rams. Granted, they've been to a Super Bowl recently. They sell out the the fans of of St. Louis. There's the entire overlong Jeff Fisher era. Yeah. You have this admittedly probably the deepest pockets of any of the owners. But I feel like they're they're just not until Sean McVay comes in, and even then there's yeah. there's not a lot of historical functionality there. I think I was waiting recent history mm-hmm. more. And I think that the Rams Sean McVay version has been pretty strong but they're like i will say though to to your point they're like this close to being a mess like they're 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 like one or two things away from because less needs transparency though is what keeps me like he he said when that whole jalen ramsey trade went down listen we we have a window here and we are all in and everything that his actions always back up his words. There is no like, I think there's a big smoke screen here. And I don't know, but people are always talking about how Goff and Gurley are perhaps two of the, the most uh, 
Overrated. Two of the worst over yeah overpaid contracts in the in the league. Yeah, you know you, you had the whole Domkin Sue thing in the in the Super Bowl year. You know the stadium as as Los Angeles residents we understand it's a little bit of a mess with that. I could understand them at twenty, but twenty seven and twenty eight that they were so tightly bunched together at you know basically. You guys have Pats, Chiefs, Ravens, 49ers, Rams, Eagles, Colts, Pack. Like, in that grouping felt a little bit strange to me. I don't think I'm too much for the girly golf thing. Like, one, because, like I've said with golf a hundred times before, like, nobody has, everybody's a coward when it comes to quarterbacks. Like, quarterback nobody, wilderness, no, wilderness. nobody's going to walk into quarterback sure. wilderness when you have the ability to sit in quarterback purgatory. Um, however, the and the girly thing, too, like, that's not, I don't really blame them for that because, it's a running back contract, so uh, everybody's going to dunk on a running back contract because, like, that's what it is. Like, there's no original thoughts on that anymore. But also, like, if he doesn't get – if he doesn't, like, suffer a debilitating, like, knee injury and that doesn't, like, crop up, I, I think that we're not really talking about it as much. It's not one of the worst contracts in the league. It's just a typical bad running back contract otherwise. I also feel like – I will give them the benefit of history and time, right? Like when they made that contract, that's the contract that everybody is using as a hindsight illustration of why it's not a good idea. Yeah. But at the time they made it, Todd Gurley was a bell cow back who had carried the franchise through the season. One of the best players in the league. Deserved that money. And now when we are watching his knee not be as strong, like now we were getting into these RBBC, I'm, I'm sorry, these running backs don't matter conversations. And also they helped fuel that themselves by giving CJ Anderson a chance. So I feel like there is a learning from some of their actions situation. There's also, you could say too, with the girly thing, like, and I think they're kind of suffering through a lot of this and maybe that's just... it. That's it, Matt. Like they're suffering through it, but they're also not pretending about it. Well, not what I was going to say was like, I think they're kind of suffering from the idea of like, they have to, they kind of have to, like, there's no way a team that's trying to capture a fan base in a tough city to capture a fan base in LA was going to be like, I know running backs don't matter. So that's why we're going to like we'll let our running back, like the best player that we have, like our most marketable guy, go walk out the door. So that's one thing. But also, too, to your point, like the suffering through, they're suffering through a lot of BS right now. But I also give them credit for like not coming apart at the seams yeah. last year. Like there was the fact that they fell apart as hard as they did and fell so short of expectations. I mean, they were only once like, Hey, if we had that that playoff team proposal that came out of the CBA discussion like a couple of weeks ago or whatever, the Rams would have been that seven team in the playoffs from the NFC. So they weren't that far off. But the fact that they still fell so short of expectations and didn't have like any gigantic locker room blow ups or, you know, uh, whatever, like the worst was like Jalen Ramsey had to be kind of escorted out of a big, big whoop in the terms of like Jalen Ramsey spectrum. Like, give me a break. Where did Matt put the Eagles compared to me? Uh, Matt had him at 28. You had him at 26. So grouped relatively together. Again, most of these teams are kind of grouped within one to four spots of each other. We, we've pretty much spoken about all the major discrepancies. Well, you had the Giants at 17 and I had them at 10. Okay. I mean, their GM is like a, a walking, like, curb your enthusiasm bit. I can't, I can't. He's doing like performance art out there every time he gets a damn microphone near his face. This is as dysfunctional as it gets. Sure, but they're also not. Yes, yes. They also suck too. So well, <laughs> they're so vanilla that you. I mean, like, so your dysfunctionality is like, or the way in which you, the way in which your dysfunction is evidenced, is uh, that you call a bunch of nerds computer guys. Yeah, it's not. It doesn't seem as 
as up and down, as um, dramatic, if you will. I mean, so just boring. Like you like boring guys in your locker room. You shipped off OBJ. You got Donnie Breadsticks and you got rid of Eli Manning. Like this doesn't this doesn't feel particularly you're right. It's dysfunctional, but it doesn't feel like it's not as sexy dysfunctional. It's not even sexy. It's just sort of like um, Well, we know the team's less sexy now that Eli's gone. For sure. They are out of set of calves. It's just more boring. It's a, yeah. It's a more boring dysfunction. It's a less volatile. It's it's less volatile. I and guess I think the volatility and, and dysfunction seem to pair. Yeah. I think the Beckham thing's interesting because like certainly dysfunction seems to follow him. Yeah. Um there's kind of, you know, a little bit of a pattern there. But also like they didn't necessarily like trade Odell Beckham and then like just get better or anything like that, or it wasn't that there's like well, they well, had like triplets of the same receiver is not even they had like quintuplets of the same receiver yeah, it's, a, it's, it's tough it's dysfunction this dysfunction in a very yawn inducing way yeah very i guess probably i'm digging them as i always am like i've got a hard anti-nfc east bias um digging them hard because they're kind of always in our face and like yeah mm, that's fair that's uh that's my take on that well i guess now i'm a cowboys fan so that's what we learned. Weird. I mean, that's a weird choice for you. Uh, not a choice. I, I think that you should probably think about that a few more times before, if you really want to jump off the Bears bandwagon to jump to the Cowboys. Well, luckily, we have months. And probably we'll have uh, the league year pushback, so we'll have even more time before I need to make any sort of decision about which team? I'm dying. I'm dying out here. Like I- I'm writing another free agency article this week. I'm like, I just why? Why don't you just start? Like, I- I'm asking legitimately. Like, why aren't you just digging in on your receivers and getting ahead on reception perception? I'm. I am, but you know, people people get no, no, no. It's it's. I'd much rather. Well, I mean, I, can I say this into the microphone? Like, I'm trying mm-hmm. to earn. A, I'm trying to keep the paycheck here. You know what I mean? I'm trying to keep the lights on. But reception perception is what got you the light on. Uh, you know, it's more conversation I'd rather have off air. Okay. <laughs> well, if the the league year gets pushed back, we'll think of another power ranking. I had one come to my for, mind, and now I forgot week. it. Well, hopefully we're going to do some Ugliest team logos. I mean, Rams are just trying to rocket up the power That's a ranking. collabo thing, right, with the Rams and the Chargers. Like, that's a, like, come to the stadium and you get this hat to cover you for either of the teams you want to see. Don't you? Well, that, so. That's actually kind of actually that's kind of perfect for like L.A. too. Yeah. You know? I mean, that's, that's what I thought. First glance is like, oh, it's some sort of joint like this is L.A. football. Yeah, that's sort exactly of thing. what I thought. I, I guess not. I don't know. <laughs> Doesn't don't you think that I saw someone say this and I, I can't not see it anymore. Uh, the like yellow part of it yeah. looks like the, the president looks like the president's hair. Oh, God. <laughs> Well, on that note, yeah. we uh, may or may not be back next week. <laughs> yeah, let's, not, so, uh, let's not dive into that one. <laughs> again, that's at Matt Harmon <laughs> underscore BYB. Listen, at Lizzle's underscore I, I, didn't, I didn't issue a judgment. I just said it looks like it. Great. See you next week. <laughs>